Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. This is the day we answer the question, whose house? It's the Niners house as the San Francisco 49ers march into SoFi Stadium, Levi's South, and steal a victory 32-23 over the Los Angeles Rams. Again, my name is Sterling Bennett saying welcome in to the show. Uh, I want to remind you to use our promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. I hope you had a wonderful week number two of the NFL season. I know I, for a quarter or so, was biting my nails and clenching my booty cheeks saying, are the Rams going to hang around for a long time? Did myself did others did the Niners get themselves in over their head but the San Francisco 49ers win 32-23 advance to 2-0 on the season are now in sole possession of first place being 2-0 but also now being 1-0 in the NFC West winning their first divisional game of the season and it feels good you can even say it feels great, baby, a.k.a. Jimmy Garoppolo, who looked really, really bad against the Bills today for the Raiders. But for the San Francisco 49ers, um, I'm going to start this show a little different today. Um, I'm not going to come in here and be all happy and hyper, although I am many of those things. I'm going to give the Rams credit. Uh, I do think, as someone who sat here and preach to you every single way and uh, really every single reason as to why I thought the San Francisco 49ers should boat race, should annihilate, should destroy, kill, um, just run right through the LA Rams. I want to give them some credit um, for a team that was expected to win, what, six games this year? That was their over under six and a half. Uh, They have performed at a higher level than expected now. When you have Matthew Stafford, a top 10 quarterback, you have one of the best head coaches in football, you should outperform your expectations to a certain degree. But I do want to give the 2023 LA Rams and even their fans to a certain extent, the Ramily they call themselves. I want to give them some credit here because the Rams came in um, for whatever reason, deciding to not wear their home uniforms, giving the Niners that opportunity. But they came in here knowing they've lost eight straight regular season games against the Niners, now nine straight regular season games against the Niners. And I'm sure to them, knowing they're not the, I guess they're they're the underdog coming into this game and really coming into the season, they fought their tails off for as long as they could. The better team won this game, but I thought Matthew Stafford was really, really good in this game for the three quarters. Uh, I thought Kyron Williams, which it was supposed to be Cam Akers, and I think had Cam Akers played in this game, uh, things would have gone San Francisco's way a lot sooner than they they eventually did. But I thought Kyron Williams played really well in in the I guess the benching of Cam Akers. I, th- I thought Tutu Otwell was really good in this game. Even player like Puka Nakua, who almost didn't play. These guys looked really strong. These guys looked like a competent offense. And I even said, um, not to give myself credit because I did say that I thought San Francisco was going to win 30 to 13, uh, 30 to 10 uh, at, at other times during the week. Uh, the Rams did look more confident. They looked more competent and young players did perform at a high level. Now, you can get into... 
did San Francisco underperform? Did they play down to their opponent? We'll dive into all that coming up. But Matthew Stafford early in this game was cooking the Niners defense. I mean, oh my goodness, he was cooking left and right. Um, and it did feel like that Matthew Stafford was going to at least keep the Rams in this game for a long time. And he, in fact, did do that uh, on the day. 34 for 55, 307 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, one of those picks not being his fault. One of them being obviously his fault. But I thought Matthew Stafford was really good today. And I even said in the podcast previewing the game that, while I did expect San Francisco to win this game by a lot, if the Rams were going to have a chance to win, it was going to be because Matthew Stafford was playing at a high level. But I also mentioned that Matthew Stafford's very streaky, and he'll be really good for a half or a game or so, then he will show himself to, uh, to or to prove to be the one of the top-end turnover-worthy plays type of, of players, which we saw in this game, a tale of two Staffords. Really good in the first half, uh, puts up 17 points and has the Rams the lead prior to a late touchdown for the Niners, one second on the clock going into halftime. And then you see the second half where Stafford looks fine, but then tails off towards the end, throwing two picks and ultimately giving this game to San Francisco to win. But I do want to give Matthew Stafford credit. Um, again, Kyron Williams, 14 carries, 52 yards, one touchdown on the ground. Um, and at a certain point in this game, the Rams felt like they had house money. Uh, you can tell the Niners defense looked a little gassed. Uh, and we'll dive into my complaints about them going forward. But uh, there was a certain point in this game where maybe I wasn't worried we, we were going to lose. But there was some concern that the Rams, being a team that has nothing to lose, they're young, they want to make a statement. They feel like that, you know, their back's against the wall. Let's pull out trick plays, and they didn't do that in this game, but it felt like we were giving them a chance to stay alive, and I thought Kyron Williams' touchdown run uh, was the biggest example of a young player, young team, uh, getting a, a little cocky and kind of getting in the Niners' face of, hey, we're still here, you walked in expecting to boat race us, and in fact, we're now winning this game, and the outcome didn't stay that way, but at a certain point in the first half, it was, oh my goodness, uh, are the Rams better than we thought, or is San Francisco going to continue to play down to their opponent? And thankfully, it didn't stay that way, but the Niners' defense was letting Puka Nakua look like Jerry Rice 2.0. Um, now, I will say this, that this game, the outcome, while things got dicey Early, there was definitely a handful of opportunities for the Rams to take this game over and didn't. And that's kudos to either the Niners defense or Matthew Stafford throwing a pick or the Niners offense stepping up in big moments. But the Niners defense in this game early was not good. Like at all. They couldn't get pressure. Where was Nick Bosa? Where was Javon Hargrave? Where was Eric Armstead? Drake Jackson, I thought, had a, a fine first half. Uh, had a huge plan on a third down and five. Forced a field goal early. Uh, that was a great play by a young defender in Drake Jackson. Also uh, deflected a football or a pass from Matthew Stafford on a bootleg, rolling to his left. So I thought Drake Jackson was good early in this game, but it felt like the other three premier elite edge rushers or defensive linemen in Hargrave and Bosa and even Tossin Armstead in there that they didn't play well, that 
for a large portion of this game, they weren't generating pressure. They, they weren't doing what they were paid to do. And because of that, it was allowing Matthew Stafford to just eat the middle of the field, which I didn't think was going to happen. It also made me question as to why, knowing you're not getting pressure, why did Steve Wilkes decide to play this soft zone coverage and give the Rams, you know, five, seven yards per play? And I don't know, it, it just made me kind of sit back and be perplexed of what's the game plan here? Um, coming into this game, I told you and said, look, Matthew Stafford just diced up the Seahawks defense over the middle, and I'm sure we'll have the chart in a few days or so, but the Niners kind of let Matthew Stafford do damage. It wasn't like they were playing press, and when they did play press, Mooney Ward wasn't, you know, his all-pro usual self against Puka Nakua. Uh, there was a one play that kind of defined the first half for San Francisco being a crosser, a very simple, you know, non-explosive play usually, where Mooney Ward's playing press coverage, doesn't put a hand on Puka Nakua, lets him cross the entire field, and boom, 15 yards, and Mooney Ward's kind of jogging after him, like, why are you not sprinting? Like, it felt like the effort wasn't there initially in the first half, and I'm not going to call it a player, that's not my place, but it did feel like at certain times in this game, San Francisco did feel like they were kind of slacking or kind of lagging behind the Rams effort and their 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 punch early in this game and uh again Puka Nakua 15 catches 147 yards a 20 yard uh catch that was the longest play of the day and we can talk all about how bad San Francisco's defense was early in this game I have questions still about you know who's playing nickel uh Amber Thomas got hurt in this game okay then he came back Lenore got hurt in this game for a certain point, then he came back. Isaiah Oliver came in to relieve or to relieve Amory Thomas playing nickel, and Lenore went outside, and his first play, he didn't look great. Now, he picked things up later and played very well down the stretch, where I would lean towards him starting against the Giants next week. They had bigger body receivers, um, and his play, I think, deserves to start against the Giants on Thursday, but... There was a, a certain point in this game where Puka Nakua is eating the the or just dicing up and cutting through the Niners secondary where it's like, is anyone going to stop this guy? Who is going to be the player that steps up? And Puka Nakua broke the NFL record for receptions by a rookie in their first two games. He had 15 in this game alone. So... Puka Nakua kind of took the Cooper Cup role where, like I was saying earlier, this game, while the, you know, the first quarter felt different, the outcome of the game felt very Niners-Rams-like where you have one player on offense, that being Puka Nakua, who is just getting whatever he wants against your defense, and at the end of the day, that's not enough to beat you, and you've done the work elsewhere to either score points or limit what other players can do against you offensively. Uh, and at the end of this game, albeit it wasn't 10 points, the margin of victory against the Rams through now nine games goes from 10 points to right around nine points now. So the outcome wasn't any different than previous Niners-Rams you know, matchups. But that first quarter, um, I was sitting on my seat saying, uh, what? What's happening? <laughs> um, 
someone has to make a statement. Someone has to pick up the slack and, you know, sticking on defense for a second here. Um, I do think Steve Wilkes going into halftime, and we'll get to the offense here in a second. I think Steve Wilkes did a tremendous job going from the first half to the second half making adjustments. Um, that's one thing where Robert Sala wasn't great at it. Uh, Demeco Ryans was really good at it. And we just hadn't seen it yet from Steve Wilkes watching this Pittsburgh game last week. There wasn't many adjustments to make coming into this game. Um, you didn't expect much to be to push against your defense, but the Rams, again, to their credit, fought really hard for three quarters, three and a half quarters. And it did make Steve Wilkes defense get tested. And I do think that I'm not going to say that he set up the Rams uh, early in the first half, giving them, you know, five yards a pop. But it did seem like that he was willing to give them the underneath stuff. The issue is secondary couldn't stop it. So what do you do in the second half? OK, it's later in the game. Uh, you can tell that he felt at that point, third quarter, late third quarter, fourth quarter, where the Niners are scoring points, but this game is still tight being 10 points, three points and seven points at certain times that he dialed up blitzes at a much higher rate, got much more pressure against Stafford. And you can tell that a young offensive line with the Rams, um, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't hang with that where, once you start blitzing, yes, your leading receiver's open, but when you have players like Fred Warner getting his getting the team's first sack thir with 30 seconds left in the third quarter, um, it's stuff like that where you have to adjust, where it's maybe it's pulling your best defensive player in this game and arguably in the first two weeks from the linebacking spot and make him burst through the defensive line and get you a sack, make a big play, let your all pro linebacker make a play for you. And I think for Steve Wilkes, um, when he utilized the, the stunt instead of for a defensive lineman, used it for Fred Warner. It, that, that to me was kind of the jumping off point for the defense. Okay. We have life now in this game. And I think we saw it later with Isaiah Oliver clutch interception, with the four minutes left in the fourth quarter, getting the ball back for San Francisco, oh, excuse me, third quarter, getting the ball back for San Francisco while the Rams are seemingly marching downfield about to score at least a field goal against you and go up again in this game. Then later, or maybe even earlier in this game, third and five makes a huge tackle and stops the Rams again. So Isaiah Oliver, for all the negative talk around him, had a really good game uh, against the Rams on Sunday at SoFi, aka Levi South. I thought Fred Warner was phenomenal. Again, what, nine tackles, one sack. Um, I'm hoping his PFF grade is a lot better <laughs> than it was week one, which I think was the lowest of the entire team, which makes no sense. Um, then you have players like Lenore, who had a you know, pick to ice the game. So while Steve Wilkes deserves credit and Oliver played better and uh, Lenore had a pick and Warner was still a phenomenal I still think there are some questions here because maybe it's Nick Bosa not playing much. Maybe it's Nick Bosa, this being really his second game of the season. It's everyone's second game, but having little practice during OTAs in preseason. It, on, on one hand, it, it's a good thing. You can have the luxury of being a really good team and affording Nick Bosa a game or two to kind of get his feet under him again. But why isn't Nick Bosa getting pressure? Why isn't 
Javon Hargrave getting pressure. Now, Hargrave got a sack against the Steelers last week, but it felt like the Niners offense or defensive line was rushing against a brick wall. And that's credit to the Rams where their young offensive linemen stood the test of time or test of four quarters at least and, and stood tall and showed their worth in this game. And San Francisco having an elite player with Bosa and Hargrave couldn't do much. Now, how do you negate elite players on the defensive line? You have quick passes. You average five yards per, per play, which is what the Rams did uh, in the passing game today. So it kind of goes hand in hand. But, you know, what Steve Wilkes did in the second half is actually really impressive. Um, sure, one interception may have been lucky. I would agree. But the second one wasn't. It was Matthew Stafford being the other you know, the other side of the coin that Matthew Stafford is. He's two-faced, really. He's a nice politician that does things you want and you believe in Matthew Stafford. Then all of a sudden he turns over and you're like, oh my God, you're ugly. <laughs> um, but I do think what Steve Oaks did with bringing pressure late, um, sniffing blood in the water and smelling it, saying, okay, now is our time to strike. Um, I'm not saying he gave away free yards early. I don't think he ever wants to give up 17 points or 20 points in a game, but I do think that he made the adjustments necessary to win this game. And we'll get into this with the offense too, but the defense, especially here, while you couldn't get pressure, while you had certain players that stood out, Fred Warner and Drake Jackson and you know, Lenore and Isaiah Oliver, I also think, and again, this goes with the offense as well, both sides of the ball did struggle. And I know, I know many fans will get frustrated in that and they'll point to that and say, well, they're not as good as they were in previous years. And I do think that the defense is in for a setback or in for a step down. Now, going from one to five isn't that big of a drop off. But I think right now for me, this was almost a good thing for San Francisco where you come in, you just annihilate the, the Steelers. You come in and you just crush them, what, 31 to, to 7. And it's like, oh my goodness, or 30 to 7, whatever it was. It was over 30. <laughs> um, uh, you, you come in and you just kill them. And you talk them up and you point to TJ Ward and Alex Highsmith and George Pickens and Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris and, you know, Dante Johnson. And you say, these guys can do some damage against you. This week felt like how that game should have gone. And last week feels like how this week should have gone. And for San Francisco, I think it's good to, on a short week, coming back home for your home opener, you now have things to learn from. Where I do think last week, yeah, there were certain plays you missed. There were certain things on defense that you want to clean up. This, to me, I'm not going to say exposed San Francisco by any means of the word, but I do think on a short week, it gives them a chance to clean things up, whereas last week didn't really do that for them. But this week, you go on the plane, you watch film, you, you point to Nick Bosa and say, hey, you have to do this, this, that, and the other better. You point to Dre Greenlaw, hey, this, whoever it is, Mooney Ward, who Mooney Ward in this game was not good for three quarters, um, even had a dead to rights Matthew Stafford for a sack and just couldn't tackle him. So there were plays that, were there for San Francisco. I can't talk. 
it's so late. <laughs> but there were plays in this game for San Francisco. See, I can't talk. Um, that they just didn't execute on. And for Steve Wilkes, who was drawing up good plays throughout a lot of the game, uh, your players have to perform, and they didn't do that. And so seeing that, knowing that, when you have, what, four days to prepare, really three days to prep for Thursday against the Giants, who got lucky against the Cardinals today, you can point to that and say, okay, like, we have to be more ferocious, more aggressive, and I do think we are going to see a much more second-half-like play against the Rams, and we'll see that translate over into Thursday against the Giants, who I could argue are a much weaker team, a different team, mind you, but Saquon Barkley got hurt tonight, and he may not play on Thursday, and Daniel Jones is just the most mediocre somehow mobile quarterback in the NFL and he does things that are fine but I do think the Niners are going to play a worse offense with different strengths on Thursday but I think the defense today albeit there were some concerning factors again coverage was spotty all day long um, until the fourth quarter and it missed sacks missed plays missed tackles those are concerning but I do think for San Francisco, knowing the talent on the defense, um, there are plenty of areas they can clean these things up and it's not going to seem so, you know, end of the world drastic coming into Thursday or even leaving Thursday against the Giants. Let's move that now to the offense because I think while the defense is arguably the better story of this game where there were certain things you point to and say that was bad and that was bad and we can nitpick all day long. I think the offense in itself was just kind of okay today. Now, I say that knowing they scored 30 points. I say that knowing that Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey all scored touchdowns. Brock Purdy had a quarterback sneak touchdown and I hate to say that they were just fine, when you put up 30 points, that's right now, I believe, the third highest point differential in the NFL. It's Cowboys, I forgot who's next, then the Niners. Like, the Niners are one of the best offenses and defenses combined still, which is expected through two games, but you hate to say that 30 points was is fine because San Francisco did leave at least 14 points uh, on the field today. Or they could have this this game could have been 44 to, to 23. This game could have easily been a much better performance for the offense. And I think starting with Brock Purdy, who again, if I was to grade Brock Purdy, I'd give him a B minus. This was Brock Purdy's worst game as a starter, in my opinion. Um I think it was even worse than his game against the Dolphins, where he relieved Garoppolo post-injury. Uh, this felt like the worst Brock Purdy we have seen through, what, nine starts now? And for Brock Purdy, you point to a day where he was at 7 for 25, 210 yards, 9 yards per attempt, and had one touchdown. That doesn't seem that bad. In fact, that seems like a day where Brock Purdy was just fine. And I'm sure other teams... Maybe the Raiders would point to it and say, I would take that day over not turning the ball over. A sack that lost you no yards, <laughs> right? And so for Brock Purdy, a very 
fine, mundane, enough performance for San Francisco. He had some good throws, though, and also had some bad throws. Um, for his good throws, I thought the first drive of the game um, hit Ayuk on a kind of a crosser for 12 yards, just bang, first down. Ayuk wasn't even open on the play. Um, and then he scrambled for to his right and found CMC for nine yards. Then later in the game, has Aaron Donald just barreling down on him and finds Ayuk again unopened, is just on the money for a first down. And Brandon Ayuk in this game got hurt and was on and off the field the entirety of the game, which Kyle Shanahan say it shouldn't be too serious, but his status for Thursday is up in the air now. So who knows how that looks for San Francisco's offense on Thursday night against the Giants for the home opener at Levi Stadium. But... Brock Purdy did have some nice plays early in this game. I thought uh, on the fifth drive of the game, found Ayuk for a big first down for 20 yards. Um, then later, hit a massive, massive 31-yard, uh, I don't want to call it a bomb, but a strike to Jennings. And just said, go up there and get it, big guy. And he did. Um, and it led to the Niners going up 20-17 to against the Rams and and really you know helped the Niners kind of build the offense back up. I think Brock Purdy, again, we'll get into in a second here, left some plays on the field you want back, and we can dissect, you know, how does that define him as a quarterback, and how does how does it make you feel about him as a quarterback, but I do think that Brock Purdy did enough, um, and I can argue a little bit more than enough to keep the team in the game. Um, I get fans want to see 400 yards or even 250 yards through the air. And at times that is Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy today didn't turn the ball over. That's a good thing. Didn't really get sacked, although it did, but didn't really happen. That's a good thing. You're not having negative plays for your offense. You're actually making positive plays over and over and over again, keeping drives alive, being efficient and you can argue today was the most Jimmy Garoppolo-like performance from Brock Purdy without the picks and the sacks. It's like if Jimmy Garoppolo played clean games here in San Francisco when he wasn't, you know, excelling with three touchdowns or two touchdowns. This was Brock Purdy playing a clean football game throughout, which ultimately... When you compare him and Stafford, where Stafford had 307 yards and had a touchdown, those turnovers were really the big game-changing plays in this game. So I think Brock Purdy was good enough to beat Matthew Stafford, who was having a really good game for three and a half quarters. The, the non-turnovers were the big differential in this game for Brock Purdy, but there were some misplays, mind you, that might change how you feel about him or might vindicate your already feelings about Brock Purdy. Um, he overshot Brandon Ayuk. He was wide open down the right seam, just floated over his head, missed him, would have ran for days. Then later, uh, missed Jawan Jennings on a post route, which you know wouldn't have been a touchdown, but would have been a huge play in the third quarter to keep momentum moving and keep a drive alive. Then even later in the game, he missed Debo Samuel even wider open than Jawan Jennings, which led to a field goal by Jake Moody, but it would have given you a touchdown, so ultimately Brock Purdy leaves 14 points off the scoreboard, which you point to it and say, hey, you know, in this game, no harm, no foul, but January, when you play the Cowboys, who are, they look amazing right now, but, 
You know, you played the Eagles later in the year who, despite being 2-0, don't look that hot. But you also play teams like the Browns or the Bengals, who, again, don't look great, but it's the Bengals with Joe Burrow. Um, you have to hit big plays. But I do think that this lends credence to the point of does Brock Purdy have to hit big plays in this offense? And what I mean by that is knowing you have Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And, and, and look, let's be honest here. George Kittle hasn't done much through two games. It's almost like he's now this secret weapon in the back pocket of Kyle Shanahan saying, I'm just biding my time to use George Kittle. Whereas Ayuk's had good games and Devo, this was his game and Chris McCaffrey's had two good games in a row for, for Brock Purdy, knowing he has this, this really just hall of all pro style of weapons. It's almost as if because he has them, he doesn't really have to hit the big play. Now, if guys are wide open, you have to hit those guys. I'm not saying I wouldn't prefer him to, but it does feel like that because Brock Purdy is in this offense with these weapons, it's unlikely he's ever going to get into a situation where in the playoffs, this team's going to be down by 10 with eight minutes left. Now, I'm putting it out there to probably actually happen, but... It doesn't feel like that Brock Purdy is going to have to hit a 60-yard touchdown pass over a defender and save the game for San Francisco. It feels like even a game like this, which maybe the Rams aren't great, but they're they're fine. It does feel like that Brock Purdy didn't need to be the biggest difference maker in this game. And I think in the majority of the games, while yes, again, you want Brock Purdy to hit these plays, in fact, I would argue you need to hit these plays, go up there and put up 44 points against the Rams and shut these guys up and tell the Ramily, bye-bye, bye-bye now. We own your home, <laughs> right? But it does feel like that in this offense, he's not going to be asked to hit you know, a clutch 75-yard touchdown pass or 65-yard touchdown pass crosser or post route over a defender. Now, again... When guys are wide open, I'd rather you just throw it to the guy, hit him. But even then, even with the miss, which isn't good, you are still keeping the defense honest. And I know people don't want to relive the Jimmy Garoppolo era to a certain point and a lot of winning, but there were some plays that were frustrating. And, and one of those was the unwillingness to throw it deep. For Brock, he's certainly willing now in today's game, didn't hit three of them, which at least one you want to hit. But I do think that for Brock, it's not that you want the misses to happen, but you are very happy he's actually willing to pull that trigger because it's going to keep a team like Philadelphia honest, a team like Dallas honest that, hey, if we leave somebody open, he might get lucky and hit a guy downfield. He might actually hit IU deep or Debo deep. So we have to prepare for these things. And once you do that, once you eventually hit these guys open or even throw it deep, it does open what Shanahan's offense truly is, which is 15 yards, 10 yards, 8 yards on crossers and slants and quick outs and, and whatever else you want to put in there. And so for Brock, well, yes, I want you to hit these deep plays. I'm just happy you took the chance. 
I'm just happy you were like, yeah, like I trust my arm, which I don't know why people never thought he was healthy, but I digress. We've seen his arm is healthy when it comes to arm strength, at least. Now, with a game or two, Brock Purdy knows he misses those plays. Kyle Shanahan isn't concerned about him missing them. Kyle Shanahan's like, I finally have a quarterback who wants to take those chances. Yes, please, because one day he's going to hit those plays. And I think this is where certain fans kind of nitpick or... If it isn't nitpicking, they, they find these small little areas where Purdy struggles, right? Where no turnovers, one touchdown, keeps the offense in the game, leads you to a win, um, or at least is the quarterback for a win here and keeps you alive in this game. They could point to it and maybe it's Trey Lance fans and it's not Trey Lance's fault, don't get me wrong. There are certain fans on Twitter especially, you know who they are, you know who you are, which I don't disagree with you entirely, but... Some will point to and say, well, Trey Lance makes those throws. And it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, he doesn't play here anymore. Why does it matter? And in fact, we should be grateful we have two wins in a row, are in first place. But I do wonder that if Brock Purdy, even if he continues to throw the football deep, but misses, or is the fan base going to start to, or a portion going to start to take a turn and come week eight if this team is i don't know six and two or five and three and purdy has played well and they're winning still and they're in first place in the nfc and you know one of the top two seeds in the nfc conference itself and you know they're playing at a high level but it's losing to the the cowboys or the the, the browns or whoever it is i do wonder if the fan base slowly starts to say well We've seen this before, which isn't fair to Brock Purdy whatsoever. And I do think that we are getting to a point where it's only two games into the season, but I'm already seeing people sit down and say, see, I told you Brock Purdy couldn't do this. And it's like, why are we trying to, and yes, maybe his worst game of his career thus far, he still won. <laughs> like, he still did get you the victory and played good enough to not give the game away, which many other quarterbacks, not just Jimmy Garoppolo, we've seen Josh Allen against the Jets without Aaron Rodgers try to play hero ball and give the game away. Brock Purdy's not going to do that. Yes, you want him to hit those big plays. I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is Brock Purdy, well, yes, needs to hit those plays, He's also not going to give the opposing team the game. Unlike a Matthew Stafford, unlike a Josh Allen at certain times, even a Dak Prescott at times. Guys who most would rank above, if not all of them, above Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's saying, hey, like, in this situation, I played well. And, and in fact, even Micah Parsons said, we need to see Brock Purdy face adversity to rank him higher I think today there was some adversity. You're you're down what, 10 to 17. You have to get a touchdown going into halftime. You have a minute and 30 left, no timeouts. What does he do? Yes, Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel made big plays, but he got the ball in their hands to make those big plays. He led the offense downfield and hit a few huge plays and 
played smart later in the game as well and got a touchdown at halftime, tied the game back up and flexed as he walked off the field. Then he also threw the ball deep and didn't hit him, but got a DPI on the defender guarding Devo Samuel and got the offense down and scored another touchdown. Like, yes, there are certain things Brock Purdy didn't do well in this game, but overall, if he was bad in two areas, he was good in the other eight, which leads to wins nine times out of ten in the NFL. Um, then you have Christian McCaffrey, which, I mean, what else can you say about this man? <laughs> like, what else is there to say about Christian McCaffrey? 20 attempts, 116 yards, a massive touchdown, but also a huge 51-yard run. And it did seem like he was sharing maybe, you know, not safe for work words with the Kelly Witherspoon on the, on the sideline. Um, seemed like despite Chris McCaffrey saying, I'm a Christian, there were, were some B words and something in there that, you know, you wouldn't want to walk into a church saying. Um, but again, Chris McCaffrey just has that swag. He is the ultimate game changer. He can pass, he can catch, he can throw, he can run. I mean, he is the ultimate football player. When you, you know, in the dictionary, look up NFL player, football player. Uh, I guarantee you the name Chris McCaffrey is right next to or the photo of his face flexing, you know, just yelling. It's right next to that 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 term because he's just the ultimate X factor, ultimate game changer, ultimate just he makes any play when the ball's in his hands a potential home run. I mean, it's all like you think. He's getting nothing, nothing, stuff, stuff, boom, six yards. Oh, that play's done, nine yards. Oh, oh, 51 yards. Like, oh my God, Chris McCaffrey is just amazing at what he does. And I want to give Kittle a shout out here. On that run, had an amazing block on the defender, opening up the space for McCaffrey to burst through and make the big run on and ultimately talk his mess to, to Kelly Witherspoon. And I have in my notes here, you know, it looked like McCaffrey said, you know, what did you say? Mm. And so <laughs> to, to a Gallo, excuse me. So it did feel like that, you know, McCaffrey was kind of talking his, you know what, to the Rams the entirety of the game. And then Brandon Ayuk, um, there was a certain point I was like, look, you can take him out and I am not going to be mad. You can go ahead and take Ayuk out, save him for Thursday, get him healthy. And I'm okay with that. And he didn't play much in this game knowing he was hurt and or at least wasn't a prominent part of the offense, but ended the day with what? Three catches, 43 yards, had a couple of big first downs early in the game. I, I do think that he showed he has that dog in him where he's fighting through what could be a serious injury, but or at least a, a week to week injury where it could cost him Thursday against the Giants. And he wanted to gut out this game and get a win. And he did just that. But overall, I think Devo Samuel gets the game ball of, of anybody, right? Where 11 touches, 101 yards, one touchdown. Devo Samuel, I don't want to say was the saving grace, but he gets up for the Rams. It's almost like he wants to to let them know, you know not just whose house, but also who's your freaking daddy, right? He feels like I have to prove I own the LA Rams, he himself says, I hate the Rams. So for him to come out there and he openly said that I knew I was going to be the one that got that touchdown late in the game. And he did just that. Now, 
something later that he almost fumbled and you're like, what are we doing? Right. Uh, but Diva overall was really good. I told you previewing the game that the Rams were not going to out physical San Francisco. In fact, they couldn't. The Rams are never going to have a chance to out physical, whether it was on the defensive line, the offensive line, secondary with the receivers. San Francisco was too dominant physically to get pushed around by the Rams. And I think we saw that Debo breaking four tackles by Rams defenders to fight for a touchdown. Chris McCaffrey doing it a handful of times in this game. And even Juwan Jennings being an aggressive blocker in the offensive line, not giving up too many pressures. And one of the concerns were, you know, how is Colton McKivitz going to fare? Clean game by all intents and purposes. Aaron Donald was a non-factor. Like Aaron Donald, who's 99? Done nothing. He hasn't had a sack against this team since 2020. Five games, no sacks. Like, Aaron Donald has not been a factor against the Niners in, what, five, six games now. Um, now, neither was Nick Bosa in this game, but there's some different factors along those lines, right? But I think overall in this game, the offense played well. The stars proved their worth minus Nick Bosa. Um... And I do think that with time, Nick Bosa is obviously going to get back to his DPOY self and, and give us 10 plus sacks this year. But I do think that, you know, this was kind of a grinded out, gutted out divisional win, which is always tough, always hard. But there is one thing that if you're going to point to and get angry and sit back and say, I hate that, it's Kyle Shanahan. And I say that knowing that I want to give him credit for what he did to end the first half. Kyle Shanahan showed guts at the end of the first half. He, most years, kicks a field goal, makes it 13-17, right? Goes into halftime, down four, you know, not feeling great, but not feeling too bad, saying, okay, it's only one score. We stop him coming out of the second half, and you get the ball, and you go down and get the lead again. No, Kyle Shanahan takes the ball in his hands and says, nope, I'm going to control this game. I'm going to take command. We are going to score a touchdown here, or at least going to attempt to get a touchdown, be aggressive. And I think against the Steelers in week one, going forward on fourth down on the first drive of the game, boom, you get it. You score down, go get seven points. In this game, Brock Purdy with one second left, quarterback sneak touchdown. Now, Within that drive, they wasted 18 seconds because Brock Purdy couldn't get a playoff and couldn't hear Shanahan. <laughs> he throws, excuse me, throws an incompletion anyways. That's a knock on Kyle. What are we doing? Just go up there and spike the football. Call a play, then say next play, spike it if you get a first down. What does Kyle do? Waste 18 seconds and it may not have been or... If they didn't get it on that second down quarterback sneak, you got 10 seconds to call another play or spike it and give you a fourth down. Let's talk this over. And so there were some issues, even Kyle calling a timeout. I don't know what, with what on like the third yard line of, of your own when the Rams are marching. Why are you calling a timeout there? It doesn't make sense. They're going to score. You know, they're going to score. Let them score. Right Or if they're going to stop them, don't call a timeout there. If they want to get a field goal, give them a field goal. Whatever. 
So there were some nitpicky things, but there was one issue I had with Kyle Shanahan today, and I have to cough, excuse me. <coughs> I'm not sick, but that sounded really, really gross. I'm sorry. There was one thing with Kyle Shanahan today where, <clears throat> where Debo Samuel has the ball, runs to the right sideline, almost fumbles, <clears throat> ball barely goes out of bounds, they give you the yardage. They let you have the ball still. What does Kyle do? Does he A, run a play on second and two, or B, call a timeout, giving the opposing team and the booth more times, more time, excuse me, to review the play, potentially overturn it against your favor? It's like, Kyle, what are you doing? Like, uh, like what? Okay. Why are you giving the opposition an opportunity to beat you? Why are you doing things that just like no coach trying to win a game would actively do? Then in that same drive where Debo Samuel almost fumbles, what does Kyle do? He gives the ball back to Debo, but he gives him to him on an end around where he runs back three yards, then gets back to the line of scrimmage and gets no yards, then it's third and two. You then pass the ball, which becomes an incompletion. Then you have to punt. And I'm sitting back saying, why did you trade for Christian McCaffrey if you're not going to use him in these moments? And despite all the good Kyle Shanahan did going forward on fourth down, being aggressive against the Steelers. That's your yin. There's always a yang with Kyle. It's like you're looking like an aggressive coach that's making good decisions and you're growing in front of our eyes to become this aggressive head coach, giving Jake Moody a 57-yard field goal. Yes, Kyle, yes! Then you're like, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you running with Debo on second and two, and I get Debo owns the Rams, but, like, give it to the best running back in football who averaged almost seven yards a carry last week and is averaging six yards a carry this week. Seven yards a carry this like, like, Kyle. Why does there always seem to be, Kyle's great, but in this game, you won. You're an amazing head coach, an amazing offensive coordinator, and there are already things we're seeing him get better at but it's you know i watch workaholics when it was on tv and they have this thing called tight butthole kyle shanahan's butthole throughout the game is is wide he's gaped open but as soon as the going gets tough it goes and it gets tight and i'm not trying to be vulgar but it's almost like his butt cheeks clench up and he doesn't want to let the poop out he's like oh my god oh oh, oh my god it's like kyle you are, you're tensing up in moments where your team needs you to be this amazing offensive mind. They need you to just also do something simple and give it to the best running back in football who is averaging six yards a carry today against the bad run defense and averaged seven yards a carry against a good run defense against the Steelers last week. Like, Kyle, keep it simple, stupid. This, this is not hard. And thankfully, he didn't come back to bite us, but my mind's like, 
for all the good you do, man. Like in the playoffs and against the Cowboys or whenever in a big game, it's like, I trust you. But there are certain things that still come up, certain things that just you sit back and you're like, man, Kyle's great, but... And you hope that come year's end where he's a more aggressive head coach, being more upfront with his play calling and and ultimately giving Jake Moody 60-yard field goals and giving it to Christian McCaffrey on its second and two and third and two. But my mind goes, like, I was having flashbacks to NFC Championship game 2021, running it with Kyle Juszczyk on third and one, not getting it, then punting on the opponent's 33-yard line. It's like, dude, like, you can ice the game right here. You extend this drive. They ha- like they at least have to march 60 yards, which isn't too much, but they're down 10 points and you can take off two minutes off the clock, giving them no time to do so. And with this offense, you'd like to think you get another first down too. And it's like, like what are we doing? I'd rather you call a running back draw, which doesn't work 90% of the time on third down for CMC, who again is averaging six yards a carry. So it's like, Kyle, you do so much good, but there are just certain times where it's like, you have not learned. Despite, yes, you growing in two games this year. Yes, you giving Jake Moody 57-yard field goal tries. And in fact, Robbie Gold who? Justin Tucker who? Jake Moody's perfect, 6-for-6 six six on the year, not even a question anymore. But then it's like, Kyle, you do all these good things, and you make me go, man, you, Kyle's growing. Kyle's, wow, he's really learning. And then you, you just you don't give it to your best player? Like, we talked all offseason of Chris McCaffrey is this team's best offensive player, I'm not saying something no Debo and Ayuk and Kittle are here. And there are certain people saying that Chris McCaffrey is this team's best player over Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. And it's like, why are you not giving this player the ball? You can ice this game today, right now, in this very second. And Kyle's like, nah, I'm good. And you're like, why are you trying to overthink this and calling end arounds when your receiver has to run back three yards to gain five? Just up the middle, my guy. I'd rather you run right at Aaron Donald on second and two and third and one and whatever on fourth down with Christian McCaffrey, knowing he is likely going to get a first down on almost every single one of those plays than run a freaking end around where your receiver is already three yards behind the target he has to hit. And it's like, Kyle, I love you. <laughs> I've been in the room with you. I looked you dead in the eye and said, that's a nice guy. That's that's a smart man. But then I'm like, he might be freaking dumb. <laughs> like he might be a little dumb sometimes. Um there's other stuff too, like Jake Brendel had two bad snaps in this game. Um one that I will just chalk up and say Kyle Shanahan planned that. He's so smart. He was like, yes, Jake Brendel, hike it as Kittle's in motion, have it deflect off his knee, right to I'd rather have you run that play on second and two and let that ball purposely hit Chris McCaffrey in the hands and have him get two yards. Like, bad play by Brendel. Timing was off. He had two of them, though. Then he fumbled later in the game, which goes against Brock, I believe, and, you know, got to clean those things up. But overall, I thought this game was... It was fun. It was exciting. It was what you wanted from this game when it came to 
divisional NFC West football. Someone's going to get punched. Can you get back up? Uh, for a while, they were trading blows back and forth. 17-17 going into halftime. Uh, both teams, that I'm sure, felt like they had this game in their hands. And San Francisco being the better team on paper showed that they outlasted an opponent that was hungry and wanting to fight. There's things to learn from, things to take away and say, look, we can't do this. We need to do this. Hey, Kyle, we can't, you know, we, we can't call Debo Samuel end arounds on third and two. Give it to CMC. Hey, Purdy, you have to hit these guys that are wide open. These are gigantic chunk plays we're leaving out there on the field. Hey, defense, great job giving up the longest play of only 20 yards today. Whereas the Niners offense got a, what, 31-yarder from Jennings, a 51-yarder from Chris McCaffrey and 20 and 20-plus yard runs from Debo Samuel. Niners defense gave up one 20-yard play all day long. There was no explosive plays for the Rams. It was a very long, methodical offense. And again, even in that, you can point to and say, good, no home run plays, but also let's clean up our zone. Let's clean up our coverage. Let's get some pressure defense. And let's be honest here, knowing the fact that this team in this game not only survived, it is now undefeated, 2-0, one of them in the division is now in first place where you want to be and at a certain point is better than many fans thought they'd be. Many fans said one and one to start the year is good enough for them. You now play the Giants, then the Cardinals. We could be talking 4-0 coming in week five against the Cowboys. Now, let's not get that far ahead of ourselves. But right now, this is a game where you point to and say, we have not played our best football this week and we can still improve. I guarantee you, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're 2-0. They know they have not played their best football yet. They are confident they are going to get better as the season progresses. And they have not looked as good as San Francisco in their two games. For San Francisco, the Niners, they're sitting back saying, we scored 31 and then 30 points in our first two outings. Our defense give up 7, then 23. There's many areas to improve on both ends of the football and we're when we're putting up 30 points a game and we arguably play better against a better team in Pittsburgh than the Rams you're not only feeling good but also you're confident that you can get better against the Giants and the Cardinals and the Cowboys and then the Vikings and the Browns and the Bengals and you can find yourself being seven and one or you know at the end of the year maybe you're 13 and you know four like there, there's a chance San Francisco that has yet to truly play their best cohesive football yet, but that's on the horizon. And you hope that you can gut out wins like this. This team is good enough to win ugly. And today you can argue, well, it wasn't ugly. It certainly wasn't pretty, but it still ended with a W. And that's the most important part. Again, so many areas to get better at so many areas to point to and say, this needs to improve upon that's going to happen. I trust this team. But look, this team is 2-0. First place in the NFC West. If you want to go to the playoffs, the easiest road to take is winning your division. Through two games, San Francisco is on the right path. Heading into Thursday night against the New York Giants. The Niners win against the Rams 32-23. 
And look, they're undefeated. We're feeling good about ourselves. And again, I want to ask one more time, Rams fans, Niner fans, whose house? It's the Niners house. Levi South is ours. It is painted in red. And it's going to happen again later on this year. But look, Thursday against the Giants, home opener, Levi Stadium. Stay tuned for the preview episode of the podcast dropping Wednesday. You are not going to want to miss that. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Uh, and also follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You can use our Fanatics link up above or down below to buy yourself some merch and support the show in the meantime. You can also use that promo code 49ersaccess49 E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S at and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Go to Levi Stadium or go to Levi Stadium on Thursday night. Use that promo code and support your San Francisco 49ers. They're technically it's their first home game, but this one felt much more like that today. But I digress. But look, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. I want to ask you to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review. Tell your friends. We're almost at 500 subscribers. We're so, so close. I want to get there very, very, very soon. That's our goal. Can we get there by week three on Thursday? I'm hoping so, but you have to do your part. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Drop a comment down below and tell your friends. My name is Sterling Bennett saying this has been the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, San Francisco 49ers 30-23 victory over the Rams. 2-1 on the year. And stay faithful.